0: Well, welcome everybody to Chase Oaks Online Edition, the first weekend we've ever done online only, and we all get to be part of it. So whatever living room or wherever you are right now, uh, we're really glad that you're with us, as we made an unprecedented decision in light of a, of a very unique time, an unprecedented time. Uh, we just made the decision yesterday, really, um, to, to say, you know what, we're, as a church, we're gonna be an online only church for a few weeks. It's a little, window of time where we would suspend large group gatherings and gatherings our facilities small groups and stuff will still be going on but large group gatherings and why uh, because as a church we're not a here for us church we're here for good church and we thought it was wise and loving to make that decision uh, because uh, for many people in this pandemic um, if we're committed to containment, like if we are committed to flattening the curve and as a church, if we can do our part and as individuals, if we can do our part, it actually saves lives. And uh, over the last two days, that was really highlighted to me because I spent the last couple of days with a friend at MD Anderson Cancer Hospital in Houston and being in those waiting rooms and just seeing all these people in treatment, very immune compromised, uh, just highlighted to me, man, whatever we can do, because for a lot of us, we're healthy. Uh, Most of us won't get the disease. If we do, we're healthy enough that we'll recover and be fine. But there's a lot of vulnerable people who will have a much harder time. So why not? We have the capability to have a really great online experience. And and we're committed to that as a church. And I believe if we go through this over these next few weeks in this window of time, if we go through this well and we all participate and we all engage, I believe this may be the most memorable and the most impactful period of our church's history. I think your kids, uh, all of us as individuals, as couples, we'll look back on this time and be like, wow, you remember when that happened with the coronavirus and what happened in church and that kind of thing? And if you go on to our website later this week, we'll update our coronavirus page and on there will be opportunities for uh, families, opportunities for kids, opportunities for students to stay connected um, there'll be opportunities to serve uh, as, and there'll be opportunities for you to communicate needs there will be opportunities for you to meet those needs. And as we do all those things together, I, I believe this is one of those times that that in, in a unique period of history and a pandemic that we'll be able to love our community in such unexpected ways that our community will never be the same and will never be the same because God has a way of turning difficulty, and this is a difficulty, of turning difficulty into opportunity. And that's what we want to talk about today. So originally, you know, we're in this series called Ordinary Heroes on this Old Testament book called Judges. We were supposed to talk about, I was going to do a sermon. I was really looking forward to it. I mean, every once in a while I finish a sermon and I think, you know, I don't want to be proud or anything, but I think that's pretty good. And this one, I felt like, you know, that was pretty good, but we're not going to do it. Maybe one day we can. It was about Gideon, uh, this guy that you may be familiar with. I can relate to him because he must have been a really forgetful guy because he left his Bible everywhere. Like every hotel I go to, it's like, well, there's one of his Bibles. I don't know how many guys this Bible, you know, Bibles this guy had. But um, but we'll maybe one day do Gideon. But today we felt like, no, this is in this unique window of time. It won't last forever. And we want to maximize this opportunity over these weeks in our culture and to say, how do we endure the difficulty part of it? Well, and how do we as God turns difficulty into opportunity, how do we be? How can we be faithful with that opportunity? Because for you and me, if we just trust our instincts, I think we won't get it because in in something like a a pandemic or a crisis or a scary thing like this, our, our natural instincts will take us one of two directions. Uh, one of those directions is that we'll um, we'll become freaked out, we'll become worried and anxious. And I'm not just talking about concern. It's good to be concerned. It's good to be. I mean, we're not doing, you know, services live because of that. It's OK to take precautions and be responsible. Worry is taking responsibility for things that aren't ours. It's over responsibility in, in, in nature. Human nature is to freak out when we're uncertain and that will take us down a bad pathway. The other thing that happens when we worry is we become really, really self-focused. And and as Jesus people, that's the opposite of what he calls us to do. And so I want us to hear from Jesus, who is the Lord of the church, who is the one in control of everything that happens, and, and to hear him speak into this opportunity, speak into this difficulty so that we can navigate it well. And I'm going to read it. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is a longer passage than I typically read. So hang with me. And then we'll talk about it. Matthew 6:25. Jesus says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they can? Any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. But you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own in your living room. Let me just hear a little amen to each day has enough trouble of its own. Is that not true? But his basic message is do not worry about your life. And, And when he talks about life, he's talking about all the stuff we worry about that that are out of our control, that we don't know what's going to happen in a pandemic. There's a lot of things with the disease going around. There's a lot of questions and a lot of things. We're, we live in uncertain times. And, and so maybe these question, questions fill your mind, these worries, right? It'd be natural. Think, well, what if I get sick? What if I don't recover like other people recover? What if? What if somebody in my family, my child or or an elderly person in my family or or someone that I love or someone with underlying health problems? And and what if that happens? Those are natural things to worry about. You can worry about the economy. Right. I mean, it it hasn't been the best couple weeks. I mean, it ended the week a little bit better. But if you haven't looked at your 401k, don't. It's a bad idea right now. And you think, well, is this going to bounce back quickly? Is this just going to be a few weeks or is this going to be months or what? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to my job? Uh, what's going to happen if I lose my job? If I'm an hourly worker, what's going to happen and how am I going to make up for that? What's going? To, I mean, all those things are are things we worry about. You may be even worried about, well, what if I run out of toilet paper? Seems like a lot of people are worried about that. There's a lot of things to worry about. And Jesus encapsulates encapsulates all of them in one big bucket. And he says, yeah, don't worry about any of that. Now, wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? If you're just like, oh, OK, thanks, Jesus. I appreciate it. that helps. You know, I won't worry about any of that. It's not that easy. We still worry because we're out of control. But Jesus doesn't just say, don't worry. He's going to back it up. He's going to say, I want to give you some perspective. I want you to understand why that that you don't have to worry. And, and there's something to be consumed about that he'll say in a minute. But we don't have to be consumed with worry and two reasons in the passage we just read. First is worry is unnecessary. It's inappropriate to worry. We don't have to worry because worry is unnecessary. Sure, we're out of control, but there is a God who's in control, who's committed to our care. And that's why we don't have to worry. One of the things Jesus said is look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they now, the argument Jesus is making is it's this is Latin. You're going to feel so smart in your living room right now. In fact, you can even say these words in your living room. A 40 ori." it's an a 40 or argument. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds so intelligent. Now, I do know what it means. It means to it's, it's an argument that moves from lesser to greater. So he's saying, hey, if God cares about things like flowers and grass and birds, don't you think he's going to don't you think he's going to care for you who are his children that he loves that are made in God's image. You know, it seems like the animals have a way like like earlier today. I hung out with a buddy of mine named Chewie, uh, Chewie or Chewbacca. He's our little dog. And, you know, the coronavirus is all going on. You know, you know, he didn't seem worried about it at all. Uh, he seemed just fine because somehow I think maybe tapped into the idea that he has a creator who really is in charge of things. And, and if God would take care of Chewy, if God takes care of all that, then certainly he would take care of me. And that's why Jesus says, so do not worry what what we about what we eat or drink or what we wear, all these provisions and what's going to happen to me. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. When he says pagans, he's just talking about people who don't have a relationship with God. And it's easy to have a relationship with God, but sort of act like an atheist when something like this happens. And we don't have to because we believe in a God who is committed to our care. He is our father. He loves us. He has this. He is in control. This virus did not take him by surprise. He's not up there biting his fingernails and worry, which is why we don't have giant fingernails falling down from the sky because God is good and he's in control and he has it. And therefore we don't have to, we don't have to worry because he's concerned for us. He's committed to our care. So that's the first reason we don't have to worry is worry is unnecessary, but worry is also, as Jesus says, counterproductive. It's not just that it's not productive, it's counterproductive. Jesus says, can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Think about that. Can you change anything for the good by worrying about it? Can you change the past? No. Can you change the future? No, but not by worrying. You can change the present by worrying. And you know what you do? You know how you change it? You ruin it. That's all worry can do. In fact, even from a health perspective, I mean, this is a disease. This is a pandemic. And in the way our bodies are created is that when you and I are worried, we get stressed out. And when we get stressed out, our body secretes these stress hormones that uh, actually suppress our immune system, that slow our ability to handle disease. We have less uh, white blood cells, less lymphocytes that are produced because of these stress hormones. So I'm just giving you something else to worry about. When you're worried and you're stressed, you're actually making it worse. Uh, it's counter counterproductive. And because of that, Jesus said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When we worry about tomorrow, we're worried about something that hasn't happened yet. And that's usually what we worry about, right? We worry about the what ifs in life, like that insurance commercial. You know, we're here for the what ifs in life. Um, what ifs, when we worry about the what ifs, we're think about it. We're worried about things that that have not happened. All these worst case scenarios, all these bad scenarios. And ninety nine percent of them probably won't happen. But. Boy, do we worry about it. Right. And and we worry and we worry and we worry over things that haven't happened and probably won't happen. I remember um, when I was doing youth ministry back in Alabama, uh, we had this girl in our youth group named Mary Jane. Sounds like an Alabama. Right. And uh, Mary Jane. I love Mary Jane. She was great. I I like her. No, no problem. But she was a little bit of a of an issue whenever we do announcements because she was a very anxious person. And so whenever we would announce something in the youth group, I always knew she was going to raise her hand. So let's say we were going to go to we're going to go take a trip in summer, a youth trip, which we always did to go river rafting in North Carolina. And I knew she'd raise her hand. Sure enough, you know, we're going to go, you know, if you want to sign up and all that, she'd raise her hand She'd say, well, well, what if what if we're on our way and one of the buses breaks down? You're like, well, Mary Jane, if that happens, then we'll you'll deal with that. Well, it'll be, but it probably won't happen, you know. Well, well, well what if what if it's lightning and, and it's stormy and stuff? Then, then what? Well, then we won't go, you know, but we'll find another day. Well, what if we're in the raft and we fall out into the rapids and, and then what happens? Like Mary Jane, well, they, they know how to help us do it. So let's just not worry about the what ifs, you know. Be, come on, Mary Jane. But I'm like Mary Jane in life. There's so many what ifs that I naturally tend to worry about. And Jesus is saying, don't, it's not going to help. It's actually counterproductive. And think about it this way. This Dale Carnegie quote. Remember, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. (laughs) Think about that. Today, we were all worried about today, maybe. Like, what's going to happen? And now we're at today. And you know what? You may be going through something really difficult. But you're here and you're making it. And God's helping you, right? It's not so bad. We can do this. Today is the tomorrow we worried about yesterday and tomorrow will be the today, you know, so on. And so let's not worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. And even if you play the what if game all the way to the end, let's say you you, these bad scenarios, you just play it out all the way to the end. Then what? Like, let's say you do get sick. I mean, let's say something really terrible happens that one of our loved ones does pass away. Let's say we do have a, a financial hurdle. That we didn't anticipate. And it's really difficult and it's really hard. You know what'll happen if that happens? God will give us the grace to handle it, and He will use it for His glory, and He will use it to draw us closer to Himself if we meet Him in that difficulty. That's what will happen. Because that's what God does. And the hard thing about that though is when we say God will give us grace to endure whatever we have to endure whether it's grief or fear or whatever we whatever we deal with when we're dealing with it, a financial hurdle, a sickness or something like that. The hard part is it's hard for us to imagine how we could possibly handle that because God gives us grace to handle things, but only on demand, only when we're actually going through them. It's not like he gives us grace to handle everything. So we feel like Superman. and We're like, yes, I can handle anything. We only experience his grace for that trial when we're in the trial. And that's why when you see other people And they seem so strong and they're going through something so difficult. And you're like, wow, I could never handle that. I could never do that. How are they so strong? And Jesus followers trusting God like, wow, they're just amazing. They're not amazing. God is amazing. And he's given his grace to them that you don't have because you're not going through that trial. And so if the worst case scenario happens, well, God is there and he's going to help us through that. So Jesus is saying, For all kinds of reasons, one thing we do not have to be consumed by is worry. That's natural, but we don't have to. And and as we start worrying in this thing, let's just remind ourselves, God, I'm taking responsibility that's not mine. You've promised to provide for me. You've promised to care for me. You've promised to give me grace to handle anything. So, God, I just I want to turn my worry into a prayer request right now. Another passage tells us to do that. And I just I need you. That's why. Um, coming to the or showing up at these online services in your living room through these three weeks are important, too, because as we worship God, it, it together reminds us it lifts our head, reminds us that the God who is in control is still very much in control and still very much good. So he says, don't be consumed with worry. But here's what to be consumed with as Jesus people. Instead. You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. This is what we get to focus on as Jesus people. So first of all, his righteousness. Like, well, what is that? Well, I think he's talking about his uh, societal righteousness and justice and all that. But I also think he's talking about personal righteousness. And you and I, in this little period of time that we have, this is a unique window. It's not going to last forever, this online church time, this pandemic time in our culture. But one of the things that can happen in this window if we if we take advantage of the opportunity is as married couples, as friends, as groups, as families, as just as you get together with whoever you get together with, um, as we do online church, as we do some of the things that will be online, it'll be a huge opportunity for us to grow in personal righteousness, to grow closer to God. To strengthen our faith. And like I said, I I think our kids, for those of you kids, will look back on this. If you do online church together and you do some of the things that will be on the site together, be like, wow, that was so cool. You remember that? But then he says, seek first his kingdom. Now, what is that talking about? Well, by seeking first his kingdom, he's talking about this, that Jesus is king. And we live in a broken, fallen world because when humankind, when humanity chose sin, it challenged his reign on this planet. It challenged his right to rule. We live in a broken, fallen world where bad things like pandemics happen, like death happens, like sickness and disease and all the stuff that we deal with, injustice and cruelty and poverty. All those things, the world wasn't supposed to be like that. And when Jesus came The first time he came to start his new kingdom on this earth and one day he will return. And when he returns, he'll come as the conquering king and he'll make the world exactly the way it's supposed to be. No more disease, no more death, no more fear, no more tears, no more any of that. In the meantime, he's building his kingdom, which means he's using his church, you and me, his church to be his hands and feet, taking hope where there's hopelessness, light where there's darkness Courage where there's fear. He's calling you and me to be his kingdom people to make a difference. And you and I have an incredible opportunity in a time like this to do just that. This is a unique window of time that I believe this could be the most impactful thing, the most impactful period we ever have as a church in a way that our community will never be the same and the way our the way our community thinks about our church never be the same. One of the ways I know that is when you look through church history, it's really interesting because when you look through church history at different different epochs of church history, one of the things God used to really propel the church forward and cause its reach to grow rapidly to cause thousands of people come to know Christ is pandemics, epidemics and pandemics. In fact, in the very first century, um, That that happened, the first plague. Well, actually, it was a couple centuries into the church. The very first plague hit the Roman Empire. And one of the big questions in history, not just church history, but history, one of the big mysteries of history is how did the how did Christianity survive? Because it shouldn't have the Roman Empire hated it. Emperors hated it because Christians wouldn't bow down to emperors and that kind of thing. And they did everything they could to try to stamp out this little tiny upstart religion called Christianity. But Christianity ends up taking over the whole Roman Empire, becomes the most influential thing on the planet, even to this day. And how did that happen? And that's a complex thing. There's a number of reasons. But one of the big reasons that historians look at is what happened when the first and second plagues hit the Roman Empire, because it freaked people out. And you remember how, you know, naturally what happens, we get freaked out, we become self-focused. That's exactly what happened in the Roman Empire. And the plague was way more deadly. I'm not trying to minimize coronavirus and COVID and all that. But the plague was way more deadly and devastating and people didn't know what it was all about. They didn't understand microbes and all that the way we do. And they were freaking out. And they did figure out that if you get close to these people, you're going to get the same thing. You're going to get sick. And so when the plague started hitting uh, these places where the where Christians were and non-Christians were in these cities, when people started getting sick, people would abandon their sick people still alive. Um, but they would abandon their sick and they would go off into the countryside for a while until the pandemic lifted and they would just leave their loved ones to die. Christians, because we're here for good. Because we're the kind of people who lay down our lives for the sake of others. If we choose to follow Jesus that way, they weren't going to abandon their dead. And not only that, but they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go into every home where people have left and we're going to find anybody who's been left behind. Anybody who's been abandoned. And they collected these sick people together in these homes and in these buildings that we now call hospitals. This is the origin of hospitals. Even to this day. Uh, churches and hospitals are connected, Methodist Hospital, Presbyterian Hospital, and so on, because this is what happened, what it came out of. And they gathered these people together, and most of the people, even with the plague, who were cared for, survived. They recovered because they were cared for. A lot of the people who died in the plague uh, died because they died of thirst. They died of hunger, but not when Christians found them. And some of the Christians... Got sick and they died in the process of caring for people. They gave their lives. But most of the people who were cared for, they ended up being they ended up recovering. And imagine the awkwardness, right? When when the families came back, you know, that abandoned them and you see them and you're like, really? Really? Like, you just left me there to die. You just left, you know, and, and and they're like, yeah, you know, our bad. Sorry. You know, we really do love you. Just, you know, kind of freaking out. And but that would have happened all over the place. But then they would have talked about, man, these Christians, they found me and they ministered to me. And the reason I'm alive is because of these Christians and some of them died. Some of them got sick themselves and had to recover, but they did it. They're amazing people. And at that time, there's a guy named Eusebius who was a historian or who was writing in his day. And he says it this way of what was going on. He said the deeds of Christians were on everyone's lips in the Roman Empire. Everybody was talking about these crazy Christians. Because they took the opportunity, unexpected love in a radical way. I could keep going with examples of other cholera epidemics and other other things. How the church experienced revival, as some people call it, as a lot of people came to know Christ and 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 churches really grew in influence because they were Jesus people who laid down their lives for the sake of others. And, and, and I could go all the way to this year, in 2019, um, in Wuhan, in the most affected area of any area so far. You know where it all started. Uh, There in communist China where Christianity is persecuted, there were a number of Christians. And you know what those Christians did in the height of the pandemic and the height of the difficulty in Wuhan? They were Jesus people. They they laid down their lives for others. When others were freaking out and being self-centered, they went out into the streets as Christians and they gave away things that other people were hoarding. They gave away masks. They gave away food. They gave away any medicines they had. And they also gave peace in a time of difficulty. They prayed for people, atheists. and said, no, there's a God and I want to pray for you because this isn't out of control. God loves you and he's in control. Here's what one of the pastors uh, there said to a reporter. He said, Christians are not are not only to suffer with the people of this city, but we have a responsibility to pray for those in the city who are fearful and to bring them to the peace of Christ. When disaster strikes us, it is but a form of God's love spoken for today. Wuhan's pestilence cannot separate us from the love of Christ. This love is in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an incredible pastor, like just one of the Christians and how God. There'll be a whole lot of people in China who know Jesus because of Christians who showed up in a difficult time. And that's the opportunity that you and I have even now in this just this little window of time. It's not going to last forever. But people are afraid and there's going to be a lot of needs. And that's when Jesus people show up big. And so let's show up big. And here's what I mean. On your own. Let me encourage you. I'll share some church things and and how to find out about those. But even more importantly, on your own, in your neighborhood, in your place of work. um, make sure If you have people that are vulnerable, if you have people in your neighborhood or at work or in some relational network, that you know, maybe they're elderly, um, they don't need to be getting out right now, uh, maybe they have some under, other health condition, a heart condition, or they're going through some kind of treatment or something like that. Man, call them and just say, you know what, if you need anything, I'm your girl, I'm your guy. If you need medicine, you know, picked up, I'll get it. If you need groceries, I'll get it. I mean, I just want to make sure that you're good. Um, another thing you can do right now is just, you know, get a crisp, you know, one of those uh uh, Christmas um, bow things and, and just stick it on a roll of toilet paper and leave it at your neighbor's house with a note and said, hey, praying for you, uh, you know, or I mean, just get creative as a family. Talk about it as a family. How can we love people around us who are freaking out right now and how, and how can we just you know, care for them. Um, it, it'd probably be good on that website that, you know, on our website, we'll have a coronavirus page. I mean, we have one, but we'll update it uh, radically. And on there will be things will be it'll there'll be a, a group section, but there'll also be an opportunity for people to just share ideas of, of what they're doing. And and there'll be also all church opportunities um, like, you know, already people have reached out to us with the school system and with the cities. To say, hey, there's a lot of kids who are food vulnerable that rely on food, who rely on school breakfast and school lunch. and, And would you be willing to help us feed children? And of course we are. But that'll be an opportunity for a lot of us. So if that continues to work out, just watch that website and there'll be lots of opportunities as a church to do that. I don't even know what all the opportunities yet. I have no idea. But let's take advantage of it and let's and just watch that site. It'll change all the time and then be empowered, like I said, yourself to just look for every opportunity, share those ideas with each other. And let's let's love people really well. It's also an opportunity to love each other well. And if you have needs, we want to know what they are. Um, you know, that's why it's, it's really important in a time like this for us to continue to be generous, and I know you will be, Chase Oakers are, continue to be generous to General Fund, Love Fund, you can give online too, our Benevolence Fund. Because if, as we have people in need who maybe are hourly workers, who are cut back, I don't know how that's gonna shake out with all, what the government's doing, all that kind of stuff. And if those needs are there, we wanna help. With childcare needs, we wanna help. So just let us know you're, if you're, if you're one of those people who are vulnerable, who don't need to be getting out, who don't, who need help, we wanna know we want to know about that um, so that we can find groups, we can find individuals to take care of you uh, who, who are part of our church. Or if you have friends and you say, man, we really need this. And we probably should put a chicken soup recipe on our on that on that Web page and just give lots of Chase Oaks chicken soup out to anybody who is, you know, feeling sick. It's just let's just get really creative and really focused, not self-focused, but other focused and and show up big. And I believe if we do as memorable, you know, as I talked about, like if you have kids or even for you as adults and small groups, this will be a memorable time. My prayer is that we'll go through this time with such compassion and such outreach and such care to those outside of our church. And we love each other so well inside of our church that our community 10 years from now. They'll remember it. And they'll be like, man, do you remember when we went through that coronavirus thing, how crazy that was? But do you remember churches like Chase Oaks Church and and hopefully lots of other churches? Do you remember what Christians did? Man, when everybody else was freaking out and hoarding things, they were sharing everything they had. They were I mean, they were risking their own health to care for people. and, And man, they're just I don't they still believe some funky things. But wow, they're amazing, amazing people. And that's what God calls us to do, to be people of unfailing love, of sacrificial love, of unexpected love. So with that, I don't want us to miss this opportunity. This is a difficulty. And, and, and for some of us, this will be really difficult. And we need to pray for each other. We need to help each other. And we need to trust God to give us grace to handle the difficulty. But God turns difficulty into opportunity. And, and for us to maximize the opportunity, we need to not be consumed with worry But instead, be consumed with God's kingdom and to be consumed with the opportunity that God has in front of us that we need supernatural help to do that. So what I want us to do is we're going to pray and I'm going to invite you as a if you're if you're a married couple or you're there with a friend or boyfriend or girlfriend or your family and your kids or maybe a group that's gathered together online to watch a small group or something like that. I let's just let's let's just really pray. And I'm going to encourage you at home, if it's comfortable, just to go ahead and get on your knees. And I'm going to get on my knees right here as we pray at such a significant time in the history of our community, in the history of our church and and just surrender ourselves to God. And after we pray, the band is going to come up and and they're going to lead us in in another song. And, And I hope you'll join in that. It's a song of surrender. But. Uh, join me on my knees, if you can, at, your, at wherever you are right now, and, uh, and let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you that even in times that are so uncertain and so difficult and so unclear, that you're in complete control and you're completely and wonderfully good. And God, in light of that, I pray that you'd help us really believe it and you'd help us trust you. And when we begin to worry and when we begin to freak out, would you remind us that we don't have to? Because you're our father and you love us and you have us. You're committed to us. And God, would you also help us to see this for the opportunity that it is. To love our neighbors and love our community well. And Father, I pray that as we go through this as families, as we go through this as friends and as groups, that... That it would change us forever and change the way our community sees us. And that we'd be able to see lots of people come to know Christ in this time. And keep giving us wisdom as a church. I pray that you would heal those who are sick. Father, I pray that you protect us. And I pray that you would use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.